Hey friends, welcome to the People Priority Podcast, where we dig into topics that help you show up as your best self for you and your circle of influence. I'm your host, Julie Schneers, a teacher turned speaker, team culture consultant, and leadership growth coach who loves people. Join me here every week for conversations that will motivate, educate, and hopefully just inspire you to grow through the power of communication, connection, and confidence. Because you and your people, you're worth it. Hey, today we are going to start the new year off right in talking about not just goal setting, but how we goal set. And in true Julie fashion, we're going to deep dive into the thing that can hold us back from being successful in our goal setting by segueing into perfectionism. I know it's a, it's a different turn when we start with goal setting. Matter of fact, today I got to work with a team on their focus pillars. Uh, as a team, we got to decide what they wanted their 2024 focus pillars to be. Uh, and I love that. But of course, with that also comes what does success look like? Why are those the words that we're working forward with this year? And then what's our plan in achieving those? And in all that makes me think about my 2024 goals, which link to my goals in business and speaking in life in family. And of course, instantly that starts to feel a little bit heavy. So I feel like it's a great time of year to revisit perfectionism and how we can find balance when we need to find grace. And when we need to just recognize and lean into the success that those perfectionism traits can sometimes bring us, but how to do that in a healthy way so that we don't just give up on our goals because that's also a real thing. I mean, there's all these jokes to be had about the gyms being extra busy at the beginning of the year because people end up giving up on the goals that they've set and believing in yourself has to start with not being so hard on yourself that your perfectionism in accomplishing those goals keep you from accomplishing those goals. So let's just start with a a great Julie story. A couple of months ago, I took a flower arranging class with a local friend. Her name is Jen and she owns pop-up blooms. So shout out to her because she's incredible, super kind and patient. Uh, And I... My daughter, my best friend, and I decided we're going to do this class. Knowing nobody else was there, knowing nobody else that was in that class, not really knowing how the class was going to go, we show up. There's these great little areas set up with our face, and then there's a wall of flowers. She's got them all labeled like your first flower, you'll pick this many, your greenery, you'll pick this many, right? So she's got it all put together for us to get our own kind of creative juices rolling. She guides us through the process. Uh, She doesn't have an example. So there's no setup. You really get to just pick the flowers, the colors, the style you want, how tall or how short. The only thing that's the same is the base. So my daughter, who is 12 at this time, she is doing hers. I'm doing mine. I mean, they look completely different. I have an artistic background, I like to say. I love art. I have a degree in theater. Like you would think that being a creative just is who I am, but I'm also a perfectionist. So that 
feels like they instantly clash. Neither here nor there. I'm building my flower arrangement and it doesn't take long before I can feel my perfectionism kicking in. I'm I'm listening to the directions. I'm taking them very literally, right? If you're a perfectionist at, at heart, you understand what, what is happening to me in my brain. And I'm, I'm looking around and making sure that I'm doing it correctly per her instructions. And I, I'm looking at mine, rearranging, recutting, relooking. And it doesn't take long before I'm asking questions and Jen's over at my station going, well, what's wrong? And I'm well, because there's these holes and I don't, I don't like the way this is looking. And her answer was so simple. It was, well, then let's just fix the holes. And in my mind, it, it felt so heavy because I didn't really like the way it was looking. And it sounds so simple and fun and free spirited coming out of her mouth. It's a flower arrangement, friends. It's just supposed to be a fun class where I set a, a, an arrangement on my coffee table at the end. That's it. And for me, I'm, I'm stressing about this arrangement not looking perfect. Jen fixes the arrangement in the end because I beg her to. I hire her. We do a whole thing with our neighborhood. Like It's a success story, but she also knew walking into the second time I did my flower arrangement class with her that she was going to walk, walk around and just fix in the end if I asked her to. She was ready because she's sweet and kind like that. But perfectionism... It can be crippling like that. It can suck the joy out of a simple flower arranging class that I was taking with my best friend and my daughter for fun. Now, it, it wasn't like death and dying. It's, it's a flower arranging class. It was fun. But it's funny because it is an image of my entire life. It just is a mirror shining a light of what I have to constantly work at. I call myself a recovering perfectionist. And if you are not a perfectionist, let me just go ahead and define that for you. This is a person striving for flawlessness and setting excessively high standards accompanied with overly critical self-evaluation, which becomes a worry about others' evaluations. I looked and I looked and that's my very favorite definition. It Maybe it's just because it fits me well, but to a T, that's what my perfectionism feels like. Now, there's a difference in I have really great drive in my perfectionism and there's an unhealthy perfectionist crippling me. There's absolutely a difference. But when you are sitting in that perfectionist zone, it's easy to just get caught up and for that drive to turn into unhealthy. One of my favorite quotes um, by Vince Lombardi is, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. And I love that because I think that's how I always start. I start with these really great intentions and this really beautiful, huge goal that sounds great and seems wonderful. And if I were to reach it, it would be fabulous. But sometimes, and somewhere in the middle, I lose balance. I forget grace. I don't recognize the success that is happening. And I don't enjoy any excellence that might be happening. So although that is the spirit of my heart in my perfectionism, I have to be very intentional about letting it 
take hold of who I am. Let me give you another example, just so that you can feel better about your issues if you're having them. Okay. When I started my speaking career, I remember one, this was scary as I'll get out. Like this was not something that I walked in going, oh my gosh, I'm going to conquer the entire world because it's just not who I am. But when I was trying to create an idea of how I could launch this business, I wanted a website first. I wanted my socials to be mapped out first. Like I, there were all of these things uh, that I needed before I was going to jump off the edge, including like a promo video. And I needed to have something that I could showcase to people and not be embarrassed of myself. That was my mindset. And I remember having a conversation with multiple friends about, well, what would success look like? Which is actually one of the things that I do with teams when we work through creating pillars for your team, what your focus pillars will be. What does success look like? And I know, and the reason why I think it's so important to do this is because it resonates with me in my own life for sure. I know that if I don't write down what success looks like to me, this high achiever crazy girl will move my bar and never feel good enough. I will never feel successful. I will never feel like, oh my gosh, I've come so far. Way to go, me. Hooray. I will beat myself up for no reason. I have a friend that tells a story about the first time one of my students won nationals and he asked me how it felt. And I said, terrifying because I'm afraid I will never be able to do it again. And everyone's going to think that this is my standard and I, I can do this. And it seems silly. It seemed silly to him then having had two national champions in my coaching career, I can say maybe, and that's not what defines you as a good coach, but maybe I was just a little bit worried and of a perfectionist nature in that time. Imposter syndrome seeps in. And of course that starts sending up flags. If you're sitting in my zone of perfectionism, you've probably felt that term as well. But the idea of not documenting what does success look like and acknowledging, recognizing I did reach that is what created a stress and a worry for me that wasn't validated. And often that's what perfectionism does, right? It creates this fear of failure. It creates, um, or it's driven by a fear of failure, a fear of rejection, um, not being good enough. And, and usually where those come from, that's a whole nother session, right? Like that's a whole nother podcast, the fear of all those things, not being good enough, the root of that, whatever. But the perfectionism in not feeling good enough fall hand in hand because we don't set a standard for ourselves of this is going to be, I'm going to look at my week and how crazy it is. And I'm going to celebrate that I can cook four nights this week. It's not going to be seven nights at home and that's going to be okay. I'm going to recognize that as success because I'm looking at my calendar and that's crazy. And if I don't sit down and map out what success could look like, I might very well end up at the end of that week going, oh my gosh, I failed my children because I only made four meals at home, right? So mapping out what success looks like. Maybe this episode has you thinking, my team needs to hear this. Guess what? we can make that happen. Let's connect and talk about building a team culture that can create an even better space. 
for you and your people. Go to my website at julieschneers.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-S-C-H-N-I-E-R-S.com. Or just shoot me an email at info at julieschneers.com. Let's connect on social or there and see what I can do to help your team culture. All right, back to the episode. Hey, I know you're listening to my voice on this podcast right now, but did you know I'm also a keynote speaker? From hospitals to real estate and everything in between, I work with all kinds of companies, schools, and organizations, pretty much wherever there's people. I would love to be your next workshop facilitator or keynote speaker. So find me on my website, Julie Schneers, that's J-U-L-I-E-S-C-H-N-I-E-R-S.com and shoot me an email or find me on social. Let's connect so that we can chat more. All right, back to the episode. Hey, if coaching is something you've been thinking about, maybe this is your sign. Jump over to my website, julieschneers.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-S-C-H-N-I-E-R-S.com where you can learn more about my coaching and all the other things that I do or just shoot me an email at info at julieschneers.com. Hey, and while you're at it, Don't forget to find me on social. I would love to help. All right, let's get back to the episode. Was important to me. Back to my speaking career, in the question that I was asked by multiple people, what would success look like in your speaking career? And I said, if I'm speaking two times a month, and if I'm making what I make now, and a little more because I'm losing some pieces of that insurance, okay, fine. I will call that success. And if I hadn't said that out loud, and if I hadn't written that down, I would be looking at this year going, man, was I successful? But looking back and going, wow, I crushed those goals. I was successful was an important thing for me because it wasn't very long ago when I was reflecting on 2023 that I looked back and I went, man, I don't even know what I'm doing. What, why am I doing this? I feel like I'm drowning still until I sat down and went through my books and I went through my calendar and I looked back on what I said success would look like and feel like. And then I celebrated that, whoa, I may still have a long ways to go to reach the big picture that I have created in my head. But what I said success would look like and feel like I have conquered, I have accomplished. So It might feel like I need to move the bar on myself, but I'm going to hold myself accountable in the words that I've put on the page. I'm going to lean into how far I've come and give myself the recognition. Now, the perfectionist in me says, I I should have all of these things happen. I should be speaking to audiences of 3,000 every single month right? Like if if you don't really sit back and take a check on what real, not necessarily ideal looks like, given the circumstances, given the space, given the opportunities, given the experience, if you don't put all those pieces together and map out a plan, my perfectionism goes crazy because When you start a speaking business, you look at really successful speakers who've been doing it for 20 years. And the reality is that takes time. So big picture versus the journey and holding myself accountable because I wrote an action plan 
helps keep my perfectionism at bay. And in the flower arranging world, I might not ever open my own business there because it isn't my creative forte. But I am proud that I could, by the second arranging class, go, Jen, fix this and be fine with it because it didn't have to be 100% my perfect artistic creation. The perfectionism in us has to find balance. I have to balance my crazy because what I want and my standard being too crazy is going to catch me in that perfectionism mode and I will forget grace and I will forget to celebrate success and recognize how far I've come. And I will just tell myself that what I'm doing isn't enough and it isn't perfect enough. And it isn't, um, there's this fear of failure still, and there's, it's going to get rejected and people are going to think it's stupid. And a lot of times my perfectionism, when I think back through my life is linked to my worry about what others were going to think or say the people pleaser in me. And I, I want to share this to you when we're thinking about perfectionism. Uh, I, I was so lucky that I got to speak at an event where Amy Weatherly, uh, the author, was speaking at, and I just love her. If you have not read her book on friendship, I'll be there, but I'll be in sweatpants. I'm going to challenge you to do that because it's just good, wholesome reading and really and truly for navigating friendships, even for my daughter. It's just a really good guide. And also, this is, I'm going to just throw this in. If you've not pre ordered her book, here for it the good, the bad, and the queso, um, do. It's already number one on the Christian book read. So, um, book read list. So, I would totally take that challenge because it's going to be, it's going to be good when it gets here. Uh, Amy Weatherly is just good people. She writes the way she talks and she is genuine and authentic. Anyway, we were sitting at coffee and of course she talks about friendships. We were just talking about her books. And at that point she was working on the book she just released. So she was kind of sharing a little bit about that with me. Uh, and, and she's just talking about friendships and she's sharing a story about, um, having a friend that you can just go lay on their couch and take a nap. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, who are my people that I could do that with? And, and, and who would just feel comfortable enough to walk into my house and take a nap? Maybe no one. And that conversation made me think a little bit harder. So thanks, Amy, about how I show up. Because the reality is if we are a perfectionist, that is going to bleed off onto other people. Now, there are good parts, and we're going to talk about that in a second. There are good parts of being a perfectionist. It cr- can create healthy drive when you have balance. But if I'm such a perfectionist that I don't want friends to come to my house unless it's spotless, then you better believe my friends are not going to invite me to their house unless it's spotless. And when she's sitting there talking, that's sitting there just resonating with me in a whole new way because I want my friends to feel like they can just walk into my house. I want my family to feel like they can come hang out with us and watch my kids play basketball and be a part of all of our things, even though my week has been so insane. I only cook, I might not be able to cook dinner that night and our house is a mess. I don't want to reject my family coming to hang out with us who don't live in town, which means they're going to have to stay at my house 
even though it's not clean, even though that kind of makes me cringe because now I'm letting the need for my house to be clean and the perfectionism of that to take away beautiful memories, beautiful opportunities. And that's how you know, that's how I knew that I needed to balance that better because I was always so worried about what my house looks like. And now I say to my mom, even when she's coming, you can come as long as you're ready to fold into the crazy. That's literally become my statement. You're going to have to fold into the crazy, AKA, I don't know what the schedule is going to be like. It's going to be a lot. The house might not be clean and I might not actually be cooking. We may be ordering in, but if you want to fold into the crazy, you're welcome to be there. And it does, to be completely transparent with you, it does make me cringe just a little bit when my house isn't as clean as I want it to be. But I'm choosing to overcome that because the memories are more important. The moments, the relationships, those are more important. When Amy was talking about having a friend that you could go lay on their couch and take a nap because their house was a safe space, when she was talking about, man, I want... I want other people's kids. And she even writes about this too. I want other people's kids to be able to walk into my house and walk to the fridge and get a snack because that's the kind of mom I'm going to be to every kid that walks into my house. Like, man, that's beautiful. But that takes not being a perfectionist. So you have to decide how you want to show up and you have to decide how you want other people to invite you into their space because you're going to, and I always say it, Get what you give. And when I think about that, I think about my kids. If I'm bleeding off onto my kids, there's a difference in we're going to have a tidy space and I'm losing my ever living mind because you didn't put your shoes up again and my kitchen isn't spotless after you had cooking practice at my house. Right? There's a huge difference in that. You have to find balance because. If I'm bleeding off onto my kids, I can be creating a child who's had the stress, anxiety, depression that I've had because of the perfectionism I have held and pushed down on myself. That's not what I want. I don't want my daughter to struggle with perfectionism about herself, about her space, about her work to the point that her work isn't fun. She's so hard on herself. It's hard to enjoy life, that her space isn't welcoming to others. That's a mind-blowing moment for me. That's a writer downer. I don't want to be someone who gives the stress I've experienced from my perfectionism. And if you're nodding your head along with me on that, then you are also working on finding balance. Congratulations. And balance can be hard because balance means healthy perfectionism balance means that we're acknowledging that I want a clean space, but I'm also going to say it's been a busy week. The commons area in the home needs to be clean enough that I can enjoy my space without losing my ever living mind, but the playroom doesn't have to be clean today because there's not enough time in the day. You can't have everything perfect because if you do, you are driving people who aren't perfect away. And perfectionism is very unrealistic. Perfect does not 
exist because real people have real problems and real busy and, and real struggles and, and real crazy moments in life where you don't cook dinner every night and you don't clean up the dishes. And you know what, one of my, speaking of that, one of my very favorite lessons that I learned from my best friend was being at her house after a busy day where we were all enjoying dinner together and her house wasn't perfect. And not only that, when we finished eating, she let the dishes sit in the sink. And this was right when I first met her, we had both moved into the same neighborhood. And I remember walking to her sink and starting to clean because that's, that's what I felt like I was supposed to do. Right. I'm never going to leave a space. And of course I'm, I'm not going to come over and make a huge mess and, and not help clean. That was, I was taught better than that. So that is something that I am unwilling to waver on. I'm going to stay and help you clean. Um, but she told me, no, she was like, no, sit down. We're not cleaning now. And I realized that by my cleaning so that I could tidy up the space to the best of the ability of making it look the way it was when I got there or better. I was taking away the opportunity again, to enjoy moments, make memories and build relationships. And at the end of the day, that was more important than clean dishes. That was more, more important than cleaning up right away that night. She knew that. I had to learn that. And and now I try really hard to not touch the dishes until good conversations are done. And sometimes in my house, that has been the next morning. That will make my mother cringe. It makes me cringe a little. However, memories were made. Relationships were built. Beautiful moments happened. Now there's a difference in just like leading the party because you don't want to help clean and enjoying a good conversation with a new friend. So I would encourage you to help clean up if it's something you're able to stay and help do, but don't stop the conversation because you have a need to perfect the moment, clean the space, make it perfect. Because if I want to enjoy a conversation with you when you come to my house, and not feel rushed out the door, that's going to mean that sometimes we sit in the mess for just a little bit. That was that may be silly. You may be someone who's like, Julie, why would you care about that? It was just part of my perfectionism. It was crippling. I, I just feel like I had to, to do everything right now to the best of my ability. So that is a balanced piece that I've learned. So flower arrangements, charting your 2024 goals, building what's next. <laughs> I hope you've heard me say it doesn't have to be perfect because if you are always focused on perfect, you're going to cry and quit. And sometimes the goals that we set for ourselves, they are big. They are big and beautiful and daring. And if we're trying to reach those goals all at once, they might be real difficult. And if we feel like failures along the way, man, you're a lot less likely to reach those goals. And you're for sure less likely to enjoy the journey as you journey to get there to success, whatever that looks like for you. So your big takeaways for today, they are balance your crazy. Your best is enough. So it might feel like you should be, I don't know, I'm making this up, 
cooking seven nights a week. You should have a perfectly clean house or your projects should have, I don't know, extra decorations on the pages. I don't, I don't know. Whatever your perfect world looks like where you struggle with your perfectionism, know that your best is enough. Now back to Vince Lombardi's quote, if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. Sure. So set the big goals, but be very careful about that being your standard for yourself every day. Because if that becomes a driving force, that it's completely perfect and not just that this turned out excellent, you will drive yourself crazy. So balance your crazy. It's fine to shoot for the moon and land amongst the stars as long as if your goal really is the moon, you give yourself time and grace and space to get there. So grace, takeaway number two, give yourself grace. Because if you never give yourself grace, you know what else happens? You don't give others grace. So then others who can't meet your idea of perfect, they aren't going to want to fold into the fabric of you. So give yourself grace. What we do and what we model, your circle of influence are watching. For me right now, that means my kids. They are watching closely. And if I am so hard on myself, I am teaching them to be so hard on themselves. And if I'm, if I'm saying negative things about what I can't accomplish, if, if, I'm, if I'm breathing out a life of stress and anxiety and not feeling enough and having a fear of rejection and failure and worrying about what other people think, you're going to breathe that out into your circle of influence. So as you make decisions about how you're going to react and how you're going to plan and how you're going to move forward towards those big, beautiful goals in 2024, think about folding in some grace. Because people who need grace, because we're people and people aren't perfect, are watching. Takeaway number three is lean in without tumbling over. Yes, being a perfectionist has given me a lot of beautiful things. I have driven myself harder than those around me. I have reached success faster in some spaces in my life than other people working alongside of me because I pushed myself really hard. But back to balance, sometimes that causes stress and put me in places that weren't necessarily healthy. So it is about the balance. But if I can recognize that I am going to shoot for the moon just so I can see the stars, so that I can land there, we'll try for it. If we get there, that's a fantastic accomplishment. But if we don't, it's not the end of the world. Because if you lean so far into, I have to get to the moon, this is how it's going to be, this is perfectionism. That's going to make you tumble straight over. You won't reach your goals. You will have leaned so hard that you will just tumble and fall. And what that looks like is stress, anxiety, depression, right? Are you with me? Lean into the fact that it can give you excellence. But recognize what's excellent. Recognize the success. And and really... As you're setting goals, that does mean write them down. Write them down, one, so that you're more successful with them. Studies show that you will be, so write them down. But don't just write down, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Create an action plan to make that happen. You'll be a lot more successful if you do. 
But then once you have that action plan, you celebrate success along the way. Remembering that that is still excellence. So your challenge this week is to look into the corners of your own head and heart and identify where you are holding yourself back. Maybe with perfectionism, maybe in another space, but then put pen to paper. What's your plan for moving forward? Maybe differently. Now your quote, which I have to end with, is from Brene Brown, man who doesn't love Brene Brown. She says, perfectionism is self-destructive simply because there's no such thing as perfect. Perfection is an unattainable goal. A beautiful reminder that as we set our goals for 2024, remember, it doesn't have to be perfect and your journey in getting there doesn't have to be perfect because perfect is unattainable. Shoot for the moon, but celebrate the stars. All right, see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening and being my people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, hook me up with a five-star review. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the People Priority Podcast so you don't miss out on more tips, tricks, and important reminders. I'll see you next week.